Hello, welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts, and I'm joined today by Phil Savage. Oh, uh, Philip War. Hi. Hi, Pip. Hello. We've hired a new member of staff. Um, <laughs> Philip War has joined as the magazine's deputy editor, which is very exciting. We're very lucky to have you here. Aww. And uh, you may know her voice from the Crate and Crowbar podcast, um, which is now a direct competitor of ours. And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Pip is on both. I don't really know what the ethics are there i'm sure it's fine um but yes um sam likes to ramble in his introductions sometimes. i do yes well, yeah. you know, i was kind of going for um you know ca- casual rapport and like good bants but it's kind of gone it suddenly a turned a bit legal threat <laughs> it, it, it was it was not meant to I, I don't have that jurisdiction anyway um should we just talk about pc games we could do yes. all right that sounds good um should we start with should we start um, by apologizing for that massive break that we had Oh, yes. Remember when we weren't here for like two months? Yes, it's been about a month and a half since our last podcast, and I'm very sorry for that. Um, the reason, main reason being that me and Phil got our new jobs, and then um, Phil learned the perils of being a magazine editor. I'm trying um, to make two and a half magazines <laughs> with two members of staff. Yes, that's very hard. And so, um, and meanwhile, I got my head uh, a bit too stuck in online and was trying to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you sound like when Winnie the Pooh tried to like get into that. What, the that. honeypot? <laughs> Yeah, it's largely the same. And I kind of kept myself in this uh, gauntlet of writing three features a week, which is actually too many. And I'm still doing it, really. Um, but now I'm going to manage my time a bit better. And so the result of that is this <laughs> podcast is for an hour. <laughs> yes, we brought this back. But the plan is to um, keep doing it weekly now until the end of time, um, or at least until, you know, someone else. Uh... <laughs> One of us has a massive breakdown, <laughs> whichever comes first. No, it should be good. I do apologise. Um, uh, thank you for, if you're still subscribed, I appreciate it. I really, it always really annoys me when, like, Alan Buxton took a summer holiday for his podcast, and I was livid. And I didn't want I, the only other things I'm subscribed to are like Nerdist and Marin, and they're like hard work anyway. If the guests aren't good, so uh, yeah. <laughs> so what I'm basically saying is we're back for the long haul. Incredibly off topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. Um, all right, let's start with uh, a computer game then. Um, let's talk about Heat Signature, mm. made by someone that we all know. And have been to his house um, for, for his heat signature launch party. Yes, but um, we've uh, been playing. I don't know if you've been playing the game, Pip. No. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just you, go you along to the. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, um, Tom Francis made Gunpoint, yep. um, a sort of puzzle platformer game, released in 2013, and this is a procedurally generated. Is it procedurally generated? It is. Yes. Uh, basically like a galaxy heist game mm. um you go on spaceships complete objectives then return to your home base and uh, all of the names and the objectives and everything else is uh generated and then you uh yeah you uh, basically play out a kind of like a career of one character and uh then you can retire that character and move on to another character but also they can be kidnapped they can be killed um there's a whole bunch of stuff that can happen to them and it's uh, it's very cool it's a I guess uh, Hotline Miami is something I, I see coming up quite a lot when people are talking about this game, and I can sort of see that in this top-down It's certainly top-down uh, in, in terms of camera style. I see the comparison <laughs> completely. But in terms of like the actual dynamics of the combat, it's, it's not, not nearly the same, is it, really? It's, no. Um, no, no uh, Heat Signature is very much about... Um, so I think the easiest way to describe it is if you've ever read Tom Francis, i.e. like through the 10 or so years when he was working at PC Gamer, 
writing about immersive sims and things and all of the stories and things that he like conjures up through ideas and testing and just coming up with interesting ways to play games mm. and if you've ever played one of those games and just thought it's a struggle enough for me to sort of get through <laughs> to the end of the level I'm just going to use a gun uh, a basic gun and shoot the people and thought well it sounds really cool if I could think like Tom Francis like heat signature is set up to encourage you to think like Tom Francis does in other games okay yeah I think that's probably fair um, so it's a Tom Francis simulator. It's more a Tom Francis simulator mm. than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something I really like. What about... an egotistical thing to make. <laughs> <laughs> There's one element in it that's really cool. It's when when I started playing, like um, you basically the game starts with you uh, retiring mm. as another character, going to the space station, sitting down next to a bar, and then you picking another character. And each character has a kind of like like a life goal, I guess, like yeah, a career goal, a personal mission that's yeah, procedurally that's generated as well. Um, yeah. Um, so um, one of mine is to um, go and rescue one of Phil's characters mm. um, that he uh, got, got got captured in the beta, um, and it's it's quite a lot of build up to that. I've got to save up a bunch of money and then. It's quite a hard mission to actually do it. Yeah, but, you um, need like 200 space bucks for each person to just activate the mission. And that's sort of the kind of soft gating mechanic that sort of encourages to play and collect new gear because the personal missions tend to be the hardest in the game. Yeah. So you do need to work your way up to them. And a lot of that is just sort of finding a f- set of loadout options uh, that will help. Yeah, there's actually a ton of tools in it. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the combat, um, you can pause at any time. And then aim whatever weapon you're using, at, you know, in- incoming enemies or whatever. And when you're in game and you're um, you're aiming, it can slow down too. Is that uh, right? If um, if you're in game, and I think if another character sees you, an enemy sees you, then it slows down time whenever you're in like their range. Mm. So I mean, that's why the Hotline Miami comparison doesn't really work because that I mean, just that's keeps... all about like very high paced action and. Mm perfecting a route whereas this is just a case of slowing everything down giving you as much time as possible to just think how do i get out of the dumb situation i'm currently in yeah he's built like a a ton of tools for it um like you can you know do like low level teleporting Mm. there's like stun guns actual guns yeah um you know so within the attacks. like within just basic combat, uh, I think everything has a slight uh, cooldown time as well. So you can't like run into a group of rooms and just a uh, group of into a room uh, and shoot a group of enemies. Mm. Um, say there's like three enemies in a room, like it teaches you in like the first tutorial the the, the, the sort of most effective way to deal with it is run in, shoot one throw your gun at them and then pull out another gun or a wrench or something and deal with the third. And you can mm. do that pretty much instantly because you can stop time after every action. And while time is stopped, while you're in pause, you can still queue up and aim and things. You don't have to do that uh, while you're in just general linear time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I like that it gives you... When you take on a mission as well, you get these um, different objectives that encourage you to use the tools differently. Like you, you know, you have to do like a, you'll get a bonus if you don't kill anyone. Mm. For example, there's a few missions like yeah, that. you unlock like your ultimate goal is to um, liberate all these space stations, which you do after you just complete a certain amount of missions. Each one gives you a reputation that helps you liberate another sta- space station. Yeah, uh, and the more. You, every time you liberate one, you seem to get a new category. So there's like ghost ones where you can't be seen, or there's ones where you can't kill everyone, or there's ones where you have to kill everyone. Yeah. Um, um, it's, uh, yeah, like, uh, but fundamentally, that feeling of you, 
you know, you fly this pod towards this ship, you dock, get out, run on, take these people down, get your objective, get out again. That's that's a very mm. cool, uh, you know, uh, I guess like dynamic um, at the center of the game. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's really good fun. Yeah, I find this is the best when you're taking a mission that's maybe slightly harder than you're prepared for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like the more the higher difficulties tend to have like more automated turrets or more guards, and those guards might be armored, which require like a very high level set of weapons to deal with. Mm. Or they might have these shields that um, protect them if they have seen you, uh, but are useless if like you're undetected. Yeah, uh, stuff like that, and um, having to come up with creative solutions around. Uh, situations that you might not be fully prepared for is like where some of the best stories come out of it. Yeah, um, the end game is liberating all of these bases in like yeah. a, a certain area. And then, I assume so. I've not done that. <laughs> and then like I think that triggers a final mission, and then that's how the game ends. But like once you've done a certain amount of missions, you can go liberate this base. Like there's a little bar that mm. liberation bar, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then that provides you more bonuses. Um, like it could be more money per mission or, or what have you. You get to choose which of yeah, the bases you liberate. Certain bases um, unlock new tools for sale. Um, yeah, it's just yeah a lot of options that way. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's um, cool. Yes, I mean obviously you can't trust anything we say on it because we know Tom Francis. So <laughs> we're so compromised so, on this. So with that big disclaimer in place, um, <laughs> let's move on to Paladins, um, which. Uh, Pip, you've been playing today at I home have. because we couldn't get your PC working, so we had to send you home where you've been working for the last few years instead of having <laughs> you in the office on your second day. Sorry about that. Well, I mean, it was. I, it, I wouldn't have assumed it was a basic tenet of working at PC Gamer that I would be working on a PC. How audacious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I uh, sat and played paladins uh and had to deal with people coming and knocking on the door for various reasons which i'd forgotten uh (laughs) so yes i i was trying to uh, capture a point while somebody wanted me to update the electoral register so that was that was certainly a thing that happened um anyway so (laughs) (laughs) um yes this is uh High res is, um, I think it's still very much in beta um, FPS thing, um, multiplayer team based shootery. There are Overwatch comparisons, but it is it has become very much its own thing. I would say mm. um, it's got the sort of the rambunctious roster of like cartoony characters. It's got a tree, Sam. <laughs> I'm aware of the tree film. It came up when we made our back page. It did. About it was hero a, inspiration games. for a lot of jokes. <laughs> yes, it is a tree. But weren't you doing quite well as the tree? Pit? Oh, I love playing as the tree. So the tree is actually um, one of the, not exactly a character in Smite, but it's the it's the mount for one of the gods in mm. Smite. So he rides around on this tree, it's Sylvanas. Um, but they made the tree a character of his own in. Um, in Paladins and it's called Grover and it's a sort of tanky support character and I generally play as him if I am not trying to diversify for writing about the thing for other people (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is always a bit of a slog because it's like oh so I try and play things like you know I played one of the more snipery characters but obviously by that point you know everybody sort of insta locks the the showpiece characters you know the sort of the 
assault rifle things and the snipery things. And so by the time I'm like, yeah, but I kind of need to play this just for the experience. I look like the jerk that's refusing to play support, <laughs> even though I'm always playing support, because it's like, but there are no front lines and there are no supports. Like, it actually tells you that. And then I'm like, oh, I'm that person. <laughs> I get that in Overwatch, and I kind of wish that like these things had uh, a little button or some sort of icon that comes up if you lock in uh, an offence character that just says, look, they've played support for ten games in a row, give them a break. (laughs) There's also um, like, I think Heroes of the Storm does that thing where you can actually say who you want to play or the role that you want to play so it actually seeks out other you know oh, combinations right, yeah. in which that's perhaps not already very much a, an oversaturated role um sorry i should probably have talked more about what the game actually is um i got so, you sidetracked with a tree i apologize that's all right uh but he's called grover in case you're okay. <laughs> wondering all right that's good to know. um so yeah, you have generally it's like payload maps or capture the point maps, you know, that kind of like escorting a thing to a place or capturing it first and then escorting it to a place or just capturing the place, that being the thing. Um, and some modes uh, I was having more fun with than others. I really like the capture and then escort thing because if you, so you get it's the first of four points and so you get one point for successfully capturing the thing so you know getting enough people to stay and defend the central area until a certain threshold is reached and then it turns into a payload push mission and so you get one point for doing that and then you get another point for getting it successfully to the end point that you're pushing it towards but you can also get a point for defending against that. So Mm. it doesn't feel quite as, you know, thankless or quite as, you know, miserable in some ways. Like I had one match where it was, um, we got to the final like round and it was three, uh, three out of four points on both sides because they'd managed to get all of the capture points but they'd never managed to successfully get it to the end mm-hmm. and that was obviously when the person from the electoral register <laughs> called around and I was like oh but you look so official and this might be an important thing so I need to go and get the door and then I felt so bad because I came back and it was like you are defeated <laughs> I'm like I know <laughs> and it was essentially just me saying yes that is true information and then the man said thank Thank you. And should've, left. <laughs> should have texted them, Pip. They give you the text option these days. That's they what don't. I do. I don't never have to interact <sighs> with people now. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was both a high and a low <laughs> this quite, yeah. morning because it was that, going so well. I hope that gets into your write-up a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't want to repeat myself, do I? But maybe <laughs> people who listen don't read or vice versa. I who knows, Sam. <laughs> Please send us an email letting us know if you both listen and read. I mean, because we would definitely recycle jokes between print and the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, if I couldn't write about some of the stuff I talk about in the podcast, like either the podcast or the magazine would have to stop happening quickly. I I mean, I only have one set of observations, you know, like it's it's a tough life, really. You can't take the cubist approach to games criticism. I don't think so, no. My Um... brain doesn't have the capacity for that. Um, So do you think you'd uh, play Paladin's long-term pip? Like, what does this kind of roadmap look like? So I've played it previously and enjoyed it but I the thing is I don't keep up 
between those bouts, if you see what I mean. Like, it'll get my attention for a bunch of time, maybe, you know, like a week or something, mm. for whatever reason. Like, I'll dip back into it because there's been an update or there's a character I want to try out or whatever else. Um, and then I'll maybe, you know, stick around for a while. But then once that wanes, it's not like I'm constantly checking in on it. Um, but then again... I have still played it more often than I've played Overwatch in the last year, mm. I would say. Um, but I think that's possibly because I just really... I, I went through a real sort of, oh, I'm really enjoying Overwatch, you know, for, for a couple of months, I think, and then just started to really bounce off it. Like, I just don't enjoy being in that world anymore mm. and enjoy those characters. And so this still feels more... I don't know, it, it's it's... I would say it feels a bit more lightweight to me, but also just more manageable. Like I haven't mm. worried that I haven't kept up with it. Like I just slotted back in and was like, oh, sure, fine, whatever, you know, mm. picked it up again. Um, I think the thing that is different is that the builds kind of work around cards. So you have... Um, so you have the character that you've picked and you can like dress it up in like whatever cosmetic options, blah, blah, loot boxes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then when you get into the game, you pick, um, you pick one like sort of master legendary card thing that you're essentially building your skill build around. So mm. with the, um, with the, the tree, for example, one of the those main cards is that if you use your right-click attack, it not only like does, I think, crippling damage or whatever, it also roots them to the spot, and that can be quite useful for mm. just, you know, obviously pinning down the really mobile characters and, you know, finishing them off mm. rather than having them dart off again. Um, or you can boost the effect of your healing. You know, it's things like that. Um, so it kind of it encourages you to think a little bit about who's on the opposite team and also what you want to do within the game. And then you pick from your loadout of other cards. And essentially that's just an ability loadout, but by yeah. another name. Um, and then once you're in the game, you have like a little store option when you are when you respawn back at base or if you go back to your base, um, which is essentially just about like a little bit more customization within that. So I think it might be a bit overwhelming if you don't know what those things are, but mm. I think you tend it doesn't feel like you get particularly punished for staying with the basic builds while you figure those bits out and yeah. then it's just a case of like oh within this game uh, and as I am playing it do I feel like I want a bit more sustainability against direct attacks or is it the AOE stuff that's really causing me problems or maybe if I'm hitting a lot of people but struggling to stay in the fight for longer than them do I want a lifesteal element to what I'm doing so it lets you have that bit of customization so like yeah it's I I like it but then again I do tend to stick to this one character because that's how I get with those games like I'm like no I'm comfy do not winkle me out of this niche or I will get very upset <laughs> so yeah oh there's also a character called Pip and I can play him as well can you explain the deal with Pip Pip is a sort of a, a scientist squirrel who throws like flasks of <laughs> explosives and like healing juice oh, and yes. things. At I remember people. all the DNAs of these games. <laughs> <laughs> And so there's like a healing element, so you can use him as a support, but he's far more of a like stay the heck out of the way because he's really fragile but quite mobile. And so you can like 
poke at people from afar or try and heal your frontliners who are like in the fight and mm. keep them alive at the back but then you know someone will kind of sneak around and try and kill you so you know yeah okay mm. interesting well um i'm 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 pleased they put in a character called pip because it's the first game that you're writing about for us <laughs> that seems I mean, of course that happens, you know, that's just, I mean, that's just no surprise, really. <laughs> a lot of people find Pip really annoying. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> um, okay, great. Uh, I guess then I'll transition to the game I've been playing then, uh, which is, uh, well, I say I've been playing, it was a long time ago now, the South Park, the Fractured Butthole. Um, I'm kind of never really sure what the uh, consensus is on South Park these days. Um, I think a lot of people have decided that the whole we make fun of everyone thing is kind of bullshit. And that when they retreat from discussing current events, that's kind of a bit coward cowardly, which I, I sort of agree with both a little bit. Hmm. Um, but what I realised playing the game is I there's an odd warmth to the world and characters that I can't really justify. But I um, I think it's the idea of stepping into an animated world you're very familiar with, with characters you're very familiar with. When it's you know well-written, produced, hmm. acted, that it's... Um, that still has a novelty. Like I really enjoyed the first game, and this kind of feels like uh, a slightly more ambitious version of the same thing. Uh, if the first one was like a riff on Japanese RPGs in terms of like turn-based combat and stuff, this is more of a strategic RPG where you're playing on a grid. Oh, just hit my mic there. Sorry about that. You're playing on a grid, and you have to uh, basically positioning is important because you know attacks have certain like radius or. Or what have you, and you could do knockback attacks into other characters and things like that. Yeah, and it means the combat, uh, like a combat encounter, lasts a lot longer. But um, that is a good thing, I think, because in the first game, I definitely was checking my phone and just hammering the A button, thinking, "Yeah, that'll be fine." But <laughs> butters just hitting them with yeah. a hammer or whatever. I do wonder if, like, over the course of a South Park game, whether the combat, if it's more uh, in depth and involved, will just drag a bit if you have to think about it. Well, I think um, so there's a lot of combat in South Park One, and it's uh, I I think there's more story in this, um, and more just walking around the town, mm. um, and like um, you don't just level up from combat; you level up from doing things like take selfies with other characters, for example, or you uh, you know there's like collectibles around the world, um, and uh, and there's like sub objectives, and yeah, like you, you level up in a bunch of different ways. Uh, there's also a crafting system as well, but it's incredibly simple. Um, you can basically just turn junk into things you can build. You know, it, like all crafting systems, but it's done with about two buttons and one very simple menu, and there's like one number that represents everything, mm. which is fine. It's like I, so. I, why have it? Well, I think it's uh, <laughs> because it's not. Um, it's not so elementary that it's pointless. Okay, but it gives like you you uh, you know you still have to think about how you use your resources if you're gonna create better armor or um, create more healing items or what have you. The combat's a little bit more challenging, so you, you can't just leave it and um, and still succeed. Mm. Um, and I think that because it's, it seems to be set in the same town, albeit with a bit of a different layout, um, I think it's important that they give you more reasons to be engaged with it. Um, and we're not talking incredibly complex combat encounters mm. here, but it's, it's a touch harder and there's a bit more to think about. It just gets you a bit more engaged while you're otherwise doing a very similar kind of story to the first game um yeah and i i i, I quite enjoyed it yeah you sounded less impressed by the overall like comic stuff or well, the, the jokes well just the, the 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 actual framing of a comic book oh um uh, movie type thing yeah i don't find that particularly 
engaging at all actually like um last game they did like a kind of lord of the rings pastiche because mm-hmm. it, it was an rpg so they thought that'd be appropriate i guess yeah based on one of the episodes from ages ago or something yeah, yeah. and this is based on the whole coon and friends like um hero gang thing they've done in the show a bunch of times um and it's uh yeah I, i'd never really found that particularly engaging in south park but I don't know. I, I've got very. There are very specific things that I like in South Park that they either hit or don't hit. Like, mm. I don't really like the super silly episodes where they're like a hamster will be attacking South Park or whatever. That's that never really gets me. I don't really like love those high concept ones like the Warcraft one and superheroes and uh, that stuff never interests me. Although I did like the anime one because that was very silly, um, but in a good way. Um, I think uh, that my kind of area of where I like South Park is very light. I guess very light satire, but it's got it's got some a little substance to it, like the whole gentrification thing in from a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, that was quite well done with a good overarching narrative. Um, but this has got loads of good little pockets of South Park stories because you're um, it's more of a side quest led structure. So you've got Carmen giving you these quests, but um, he'll only contact you again after you've talked to a certain amount of characters and done a few things here or there but it's right. not really busy work because you're basically focusing on interacting with Mr. Mackey or Randy Marsh or whoever um, and yeah, yeah I think I think that's working for it feeling a little bit different like you have a quest log which the first game was largely just walk from A to B wasn't it um, and it makes it sound like they've got a lot more in it this time I'm, I'm expecting them to do more off the map excursions like the Canada stuff in mm-hmm. the Stick of Truth so uh, yeah yeah, I'm, I'm convinced by it and I'm looking forward to it it's very much, they're very much comfort food those games aren't they like the first one was like that it was, this is the simplest RPG I can play with my brain and that's fine. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was very simple. Uh, yeah, it was just an excuse for a, a selection of jokes to happen, I guess. There wasn't much to the RPG stuff Yeah, there. I mean, I can see why you would maybe pick the genres that they've picked as a thing that is an easier sell for people who want to actually, you know, play a thing. But yeah. um, it, from listening to you talk and from what I remember about South Park, which I kind of haven't watched since 2001, I think... Um, which, uh, wh- whenever they had the Christmas album, that's one of the last things okay. I remember. Oh, wow, yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah that's, a, that's a long while ago. Um, but it feels like it would, if you were just picking a genre without marketability or without any other factors, like point and click would feel a lot more of a good fit for South Park in terms of the capacity for them to do silly things with interactions or with, you know, the way the story plays out, you know? Yeah, you definitely get... Um, I'd say, like, the open-world explorey bits are very point-and-click. Like, you have different ways you can interact with the environment, like throwing firecrackers at things, clicking on things, and mm. collecting things. So on some level, it does it does have that. But I, um, I suppose that the superhero thing is more of a unifying theme for the combat, just because all of the classes that you can pick are, you know, like, a speedster-style flash class and you know they're all archetypes from superheroes basically so yeah i think it probably is just about marketability and yeah and and making that have some kind of logic to it um Mm. and on on that level it works quite well i guess i just don't find superhero jokes that funny because i don't think there's loads of mileage in it you know i don't think it's i don't know it's kind of already a bit daft i don't i don't i don't know if it's that right for parody um (laughs) i mean maybe that's incorrect i don't know but um yeah uh, so I'm yeah I'm 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 looking forward to it, but like um, they're definitely uh, if you enjoyed the stick of truth, it's largely the same thing, but with a yeah enough 
changes that it'll be it'll be worth playing i think yeah um yeah uh, and then finally then phil um a man with a cold yeah it, it looks like he's on the brink of dying at any oh, point this has not been fun <laughs> I, d- I do it for the the starving podcast audience <laughs> hungry for our mouth sounds we'll quickly uh, knock through this one then dishonor death of the outsider good expansion or bad expansion oh it's, yeah it's good it's all right yeah it's pretty good um it's not. I mean, it's an expansion to Dishonored Two and uh, brings a lot more, um, certainly a lot more Dishonored Two style level design to bear, uh, including a couple of levels that, or one level in particular from Dishonored Two that's sort of remixed here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, yeah, it's there are five missions. Uh, two of them take place on the same map, uh, which is uh, called Upper Syria, and it's just another chunk of Kamaka, quite a large area. Um, that I probably spent the most time in, like over those two missions of anywhere in the game, like a good four or five hours exploring it the first time around, and then you come back and it's evening and all you know time has progressed and stuff has happened based on what you did the first time, mm. which is a nice little trick. Um, this one you play as Billy, who if you've not played Dishonored two, uh, is a character in that. I'm trying to tiptoe around some spoilers there. But it was also one of the characters from the Dishonored 1 DLCs. I think that's where she first cropped up as part of Dowd's crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time like, it, she meets up with Dowd again after everything that happens in Dishonored 2. And uh, he tasks her basically with killing the Outsider, who uh, is the e- emo god boy that... It's a bit of a shit job, isn't it? Like saying, I don't really fancy this, Billy. So can you do it? I know I've I've been doing this for years, but like, can you just go take care of some kind of interdimensional emo god? Cheers, love. You know? I mean, he's a very old man now, which probably doesn't help things. No, I suppose not. But he's had years to sort he this out. Does still have magical powers? Well, that's, you know, I mean, doesn't she have powers? Though she also gets powers. Um, she, uh, but only three. Um, there's like probably the, the is um, the least. A broad selection of powers in a Dishonored game so far, but they're quite interesting. I mean, one of them is just Blink, essentially, but uh, in a slightly tweaked form that is more spec towards uh, a, a couple of puzzles. Um, what happens is you put down a projection of yourself and you can blink to that as long as you've got line of sight for it, but you can blink through like windows or fences or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it pairs up with a thing called Foresight, which is like a little out-of-body look around power you know like the, the one that shows you enemy cones of vision and stuff hmm. so you can mark enemies to see cones of vision and things or you can just sort of have a, an out of body wander around the, the nearby area and that's how you can get through vents and things and you can place uh, one of these um, displace markers down and blink to it it's weirdly convoluted but it works quite well once you've sort of got used to how it how like the powers sync up um at the same time, it's not quite as fun as just blinking to a place. It's like you've, you've so you've, there's a one-two step of having to place down a displaced marker and then teleport to it. So it's just an extra mouse click, which mm. is just a bit less satisfying to tra- traverse. It's the which, wisdom of look before you leap, though, Phil. I mean, it's very wise, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, not not quite as. Snappy. And, fun. <laughs> and it recycles some environments under some of that too as well, right? Uh, so you go back to the Royal Conservatory. That's the only. I mean, obviously it recycles certain assets or whatever. It's the same city, but you know that's it's an expansion. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but you do go back to the Royal Conservatory, but um, I think yeah, I've seen some criticism of that as like uh, oh it's cheap or whatever. But you know, it's 
it's also it makes a lot of sense within the story and it's very interesting to see how that world again has progressed like uh, the Royal Conservatory in Dishonored 2 is um, full of uh, the witches and sort of that faction who were working with whoever the main antagonist of Dishonored 2 was uh, oh I don't remember Brenner I think I never like actually I'd never played Dishonored 2 well okay it's bad form really how about you Pip um, I started it and then I started doing my thing of you know, um, not really being able to make much progress, so playing progressively more cautiously and just essentially bringing people back to my nest of bodies mm-hmm. and sort of getting a bit further and then having to bring them back to the thing. And, you know, it was like it just becomes a bit of a slog the way I play it, but I can't seem to Which get the hang the of Yes, it's it's very much the sort of spider approach. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like that as well. It's just a toilet full of bodies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You find Sorry a safe all. place to stash them, and then it's just everyone has to immediately come back to yours in a really awful <laughs> way. And yeah. then you just there's a pile of them that just gets bigger and bigger as you gradually clear out the level, so that you can just walk somewhere. <laughs> That's all I wanted to do is walk somewhere. <laughs> okay. Well, the third power then for uh, Death of the Outsider is called Semblance. And what you do is you steal a person's face and you wear the face with magic. And then you can just walk through an area. If you steal a guard's face, you can just walk through guards and they're like, hey, it's, it's a guard that I know. It's cool. Okay, cool. Is it timed down at all? Or uh, Yeah, it is. But um, you can... Uh, so there's no runes to improve your powers, but there are still bone charms you can collect and things. And like, I got a couple of those that really that meant I could spend a long time just wandering around in semblance. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that thing in um, in Game of Thrones with the, the that's the faces, isn't it? Like death, <laughs> death, and men, men, death. There's all men death, death comes to men that happens. <laughs> You're What's looking, the you're, thing? This is the, you're, this, oh, you're do you not watch it? Okay, sure. You mean like uh, Valor Margulies? No, that's Mar- Mar- obviously it's not Margulies because that's Juliana Margulies who is in the Good Wife. <laughs> but it's Valor something with they've got the coins and the Morgulis, death. Is that it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And there's like there's a, there's Valor catchphrase Morgulis. for the faceless men. Who collect the faces, so they're not really faceless, right? Yeah, and Arya's one of them, right? Yeah, yeah that would have sword. been so much more relevant if you had just turned to me and said, yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Instead of just watching as this whole thing just unfolded Phil, in a Phil, hideous way. Phil's a deeply ill man, Pip. Like, you know, just, you know, <laughs> That's a very mean thing to say for someone who's just not watched Game of Thrones. There's, oh, no. there's nothing wrong with that sound. That's not a sickness. <laughs> I'm just trying to protect you here, Phil, from your new co-worker. It's fine. <laughs> you know, expects you to know everything about uh, The Good Wife and, you know, Game of Thrones. Like, I picked really the most popular show on television. No, I've watched far more Good Wife than I have Game of Thrones. Well. Did you get the. That, you got that reference, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I, or you could have watched ER, the early seasons, right. and got that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I think um, we've basically established that Dishonored Death of the Outsider is worth playing if you enjoy yeah, the second it's- game. Pretty good. Um, like I say, so the Royal Conservatory thing, like, yeah, the uh, I'll hop back on that point. Um, the witches are cleared out, and now the Abbey of the Everyman is there. They're the ones with the masks who hate all the magics. Uh, and it's probably the most intense look at how much of a bunch of bastards they are. Okay. Um, 
And then, yeah, there's, there's plenty of interesting things in there. There's also an enemy type that is total bullshit, and uh, I did not enjoy fighting right at the end. Is some instant kill shit? Uh, kind of. It, it's more like you can't insta-kill them mm. because, uh, you know, they're big, tough things. Mm. Uh, a lot like the Clockwork Soldiers, which always felt a bit more special case, so I was prepared to hand-wave you. These are a lot like the Clockwork Soldiers if they had... Uh, teleport powers and were annoying. Alright. Okay, good. Otherwise it's good. Yeah. Alright. That's yep. uh that is available now. We should disclaim of that as well though. Oh yeah. Because yes. uh we one of its writers, Hazel Monforton, uh has done stuff for PC Gamer. Yes, that's right. Um so yeah we're in the clear there. You can't have us ethics police. <laughs> um I'm gonna roll into the questions then Phil. Yeah do and that. Pip. I'll just sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um uh, regret so, not watching Game of Thrones. Uh, we'll be, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely do another podcast when Phil is more alive. Um, do you and think, he's caught up with all of popular culture. <laughs> and I, when I've watched The Good Wife, which I haven't seen, <laughs> but I, I know, I know all about Pip's world, so I kind of understood that. You know, that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Lawbreakers has an upcoming free weekend. Um, we liked Lawbreakers when we reviewed it, but it has been struggling with numbers. Um, if you look at Steam charts and stuff, which I assume is completely reliable um do you think the lawbreakers free weekend will help the game in the long term that's from beers for butts because of course that is the name um i think the answer is maybe Maybe. probably won't hurt no i think it's more that it ties into their overall changes that they're making like they've added team deathmatch which is a thing that they have overtly said that they regret not launching with you know or that they should have launched with um and uh cliff blazinski actually has i think it was an interview with GameSpot where he was you know basically running through a whole list of things that he felt maybe they could have done differently or that they were trying to um alter after the fact or learn from or you know do all of that kind of stuff to try and accept that the the base is quite small. It sounds like it's smaller on PC than on console, but then again, you know, it's hard to know. Um, And it sounds like they're just sort of trying to do what they can to build it up. Um, It'll be interesting to see which of those steps stick and which Mm. seem to work. Um, Mm. Because at this point, because he actually seems to be quite open about what's happening there, it's kind of interesting because it might be that it opens up that process of what happens if a game isn't doing amazingly and what you do and why and you know could lead to some interesting GDC talks and things <laughs> you know at the very least we'll get that <laughs> I assume that the um, the free weekend will be married to some kind of like discount as well like I've seen it usually for a, seen it for a third off on mm. um, PS, PSN this week so I think it'll probably be a similar discount where you can get it for like £5 off or something I think it also coincides with uh, at the very end of last week they had uh, they added their new map and um, rebalanced all the health and stuff of the of the things like so essentially the the guiding principle for this patch I think it's one point four. Why do I know all of this stuff? Is that um... your knowledge is just amazing on this? You know? <laughs> We're so used to not knowing things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very friv- it's a deeply frivolous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I think their current uh, their current idea is that they want more. 
longer lifespans for all the characters so that people actually get to play more and be right, in combat yeah. more and mm. don't feel like they're caught in this cycle of respawning, getting picked off because they spawned alone and then, you know, not being able to stay in. So they've added, they've rejigged health, so they've made everyone more healthy. They've added... Um, health regen out of combat for everyone and not just the right, medic yeah. thing um, so there's a bunch of changes that seem like they are designed to make the experiences more fun but I mean there is also the thing of if you have a small player base it takes a million years to find a game so that the queuing stuff is probably the more pressing thing I would say for them right, yeah. on that side Ooh, tricky. tricky I mean you know based on some of those changes I'd be interested in checking it out again because like I know I, I know Evan loved it for review I did not get on with it at all really mm. um, I just bounced off it very hard and it, I didn't even play it enough to really bother to work out why it wasn't working for me it was just uh, something about the combat just didn't feel satisfying mm. or particularly I, it, might, it may just be like I was dropped in during a period where the small player base probably makes it a lot harder to matchmake efficiently with mm. people of a similar skill level. Mm. And uh, there's yeah, nothing worse than being dropped into a game full of people who are very good at a game when you're just starting out and trying to learn yeah, you know, that's, how to be effective at a thing. That is yeah. a tricky thing. Mm. It might be worth us like downloading it and having a crack as a team or something, yeah, seeing yeah, if that works. Well and, but, you know, a free weekend probably is a good time to actually, even if you own the game, is a good time to sort of give it a, another shot like a, a proper try because you paid real be, money for it so yeah there'll be a lot of uh chump in there uh fresh meat to paddle with yes i always paddle with fresh meat <laughs> <laughs> i just pictured a river of meat and me paddling through it mm. um, anyway. oh wow <laughs> it's very vivid um grim. <laughs> uh yeah and like uh yeah, I hope they let you preload it because um, otherwise that'll be the entire Saturday is downloading it onto my PC with my bad internet connection, <laughs> and it'll be a, it'll be a free yeah. Sunday and not a free weekend. Um, okay, next question. Um, this is from Philip Foster on Twitter. I always play XCOM on easy. Nice to hear. I'm not the only one. This is when I was tweeting about playing XCOM on easy. Um, question for the next pod: Which difficulty do you, you usually play on? For XCOM or for anything? Anything. Like, do you have like a, a thing you always gravitate towards when you play a game? I usually go with normal because, if especially if I'm reviewing something, yeah. I assume that's the mode that they expect the majority of people to interact with, certainly at first, and mm. then I'll take it from there. Like, if there's a reason to put it down to enjoy something more, or if there's a reason to put it up if you're not having enough of a challenge, I mm. think that's what I usually do. But I do usually start off with the you know the prescribed normal suggests default like yeah just that, that's the you, you hear about some developers are like oh we spec towards hard and then make changes like why'd you do that i'm not gonna play it on hard <laughs> <laughs> like that um when games don't have difficulty settings and then they just have a an arc or give you like different ways to play with it like i don't think mgs5 has difficulty settings i don't think so pretty Not sure like, no no mm. so i'm pretty sure it's just the game and then it escalates in difficulty in different um, yeah, ways i'm sure it's easier with games again with like lots of tools and different ways to tweak difficulty because you can build that into part of the mission selection and oh, like, challenge. yeah xcom is a good example of that because they're they just like basically pare down the amount of enemies that will be in any given environment in mm. those scripted missions and um, I actually have enjoyed playing xcom and easy that's i that's st it's still tricky enough that you lose party members but you still can feel quite empowered every now and then. But I'm just too too much of a coward to play on normal, basically. Fair enough. Yeah. 
That one I don't mind because, like, you know, there are stories to be had from people dying and stuff like that. Um, failure seems built into the design a bit more than, say, an RPG. Like, I'm considering when I finally get some time to do Divinity or uh, Original Sin 2, I'll probably knock that down to easy based on what everything everyone said. So that sounds quite tricky, doesn't because it? Because I think I've just discovered about myself, like, combat is not a thing I enjoy in RPGs it's not what I want to be doing um, like any RPG I can think of the combat has been the worst part of it I just kind of want to have adventures in a space and yeah enjoy it, the dialogue yeah if, if I can do that without having to worry about all the challenge of it then uh, you know the, the challenge comes out of the decision you make rather than can you twat a skeleton um, <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm happy with that. Uh, I, can, I can kind of see that as like a headline on PCGamer.com. Can you twat a skeleton? <laughs> so I can see that at the top of the carousel. I'm going to make it happen somehow. Um, <laughs> anything more to add, Pip? No. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Uh, how about you, Sam, in games that aren't XCOM? Um, so it, 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 it's more of like a time thing as an adult. Like um, I used to replay games and play them on hard and stuff like that, but it's now that now the volume of games is absurd so um i try and blast through them as quickly as possible so i am guilty of like knocking immersive sims down to easy here and there um just to try and make uh, give myself an easier time and and just to you know have the game finish so i can move on i feel like i've seen a lot of it um hitman doesn't have difficulty settings does it i think it oh it does does. because you can play a professional can't you it's got lots of scalable it, uh, there's a lot of scalable options based on which UI elements and things you want, and that is kind of dis- like whether you want like the opportunities to flash up. Right, yeah. That's essentially a difficulty setting, but it's not billed as that. There is also professional mode, which is like a separate extra hard difficulty, but yeah. I don't know if there's like a, an actual easy mode as such. Well, i just give that as an example, because um, I, that's the kind of game where, I again, I don't mind being challenged, but I do want to be able to see all of the nice environments they've built in that game, and yeah. and not to get hung up on the difficulty of, like, one mission in one, like, the second or third mm. episode. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I am guilty of doing that a bit more these days. Um, then, think, yeah. Oh. No, please go on. I was just going to say that I think I it occurs to me that I don't actually encounter the difficulty setting stuff as often because I tend to play a lot of really tiny indie games that don't have that as a necessary option mm. in a lot of ways. Uh, they might just be more contemplative. They might just be quite little and therefore not have the, the scope for it. Um, but also because the other at the other end of what I play are all the MOBAs and the sort of competitive multiplayer stuff. And they, if the matchmaking is working correctly, should adjust based on, you know, people yeah. of a similar, like, win rate, skill level, whatever. Mm. Um Although something that's interesting with those is that I wish sometimes that there was a way to adjust your difficulty in that I I play support a lot, um, but sometimes I do fancy trying to learn something else, but it will matchmake me based on what I usually play, and then suddenly it's like, what do you mean you can't play, I don't know, ADC mid or something, you know, and you're kind of like, well, I mean, because I'm usually (laughs) over there keeping that guy safe, you know? So, yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to see if anyone comes up with some better ways of making it so that people can practice outside their comfort zone Mm. in those kinds of games. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, hmm. If you're uh, listening at home and you're thinking of starting a Reddit thread about games journalists playing things on easy, <laughs> just climb in a bin instead. 
I don't think our listeners will do that, Phil. Probably not. Um, <laughs> you never know. Anyone can listen to this. I did admittedly think about that when I put this question in. I thought, oh, are we going to sound like, you know, am I going to sound like a noob and then be shamed for it or whatever? As long as none of us record ourselves playing Cuphead, we should be all right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, Phil's going all true detective on me, so I'm going <laughs> to going to move on to I've been hearing a lot about the Destiny 2 raids as of late and how grueling it can be in terms of a time commitment Destiny 2 coming to PC soon it made me think does the PCG staff plan on playing it together and would you be willing to complete raids together that's from Bliam that's a very simple question the answer is yes isn't it yeah yes I mean both. we'd be willing uh. I like the question that is basically would you complete the raid together like imagining <laughs> that perhaps part way through we'd just be like right do you know what this is not working out let's raid with other people <laughs> It's not me, it's definitely you. <laughs> Phil and I have raided together yeah. anyway. We I've did raided Destiny, some of Destiny 1. One raids. Yeah. I, I raided with both of you before as well. Ooh, I, did, yeah. I did one raid with you, the one where it ends in that big Colosseum area and there's a big thing that attacks you. That's just everything in Destiny. That's all of the, it, the, all yeah. the ones. Yeah, I, I apologise for <laughs> all of that. Um, I think we've answered the question well enough there. We will definitely be playing it together when the we game have, releases. We have, we will, and yes. We mm. shall. Um, What's your desktop setup like? Clean and pristine or cluttered and cosy? Personally, I prefer a pristine, dust-free environment. Otherwise, I can't relax. No clutter. Maybe a candle. Pure fucking bliss. That's from N. Brady Easton. Um, Pure fucking bliss. <laughs> my, my desk is a state. Um, yeah, I assume when he says desktop, he means yeah, the uh, actual desk and area, not, not, not the Windows desk. desktop. That you, oh, that's a good question, actually. I mean, um, he mentions a candle. I don't think that, unless there's an app or something. <laughs> yeah, on startup, there's just a little candle icon in the bottom right hand corner. Well, nice. flux Festive. like dims the lights yeah. when it comes to <laughs> evening time, right? It switches to like the uh, wavelength that's more conducive to sleep. Yeah. Welcome to Windows 10 after dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, my desk at work is a state because there are magazines everywhere, but that's only because I'm a magazine editor mm. at home. Um, my PC is admittedly, it's also on my dinner table, so it's a bit of a fraught setup, but it's generally clean. I can't be doing it with it if there's crumbs and dust there. It's not too bad. But then behind the monitor, there are loads of lanyards that I've gathered from various events I haven't yet thrown away or put in a bin. Um, <laughs> so that's my desk. How about you two? Um, mine at home is uh, so small that it... You know, you can't really clutter it up because <laughs> otherwise that would just be the end of desk space. Um, right. Although I did spill a whole yogurt on my mouse pad a few days ago. So mm. that's been a slightly sticky experience for, <laughs> for me. Um, and here I haven't had time to... Although I did lose a pen. You've already lost a pen. It, yeah. A pristine desk and I lost a pen. Do you want to borrow mine? It's fine. No, it's fine. I found three in my handbag when I got home. None of them were the pen, but it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, they're a very they're a rare commodity here. You know, you can trade pens for gold in this office. You know, <laughs> a little tip for you there, Phil. How about your desk? Area? Oh, it's a state. It's, it's a. I mean, you may have even seen it at various. I have seen it. Yeah, gatherings. Only, but that's only because you have. It's like the. It's like the entertainment area is all concentrated in that corner, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got a dual monitor setup, and it's a decent sized desk, but also just you know various bits of mail and crisp packets and. If I don't know where to put something and I've got it in my hand, it'll probably go on that desk and stay there forever. Okay. See, I, I love having like a relatively neat workspace, but then my actual 
digital desktop is just a mess of icons and nonsense <laughs> and images and it's a mess. Do you do the thing a certain other member of PC Gamer does? I don't want to name any names. I don't want to roast somebody live on the podcast, but well, <laughs> most of them are in this room, so you can probably work it out just by process of elimination. Please, press the fact I'm talking about it now. <laughs> they might not be here. Uh, where if enough, once enough um, icons build up, they'll just select them all and put them into a folder, and then the process begins again. And uh, I've looked through those folders, and they go about five deep. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I have an external hard drive for that. I also have a second monitor, yeah. <laughs> just so that I can edge onto a new screen <laughs> if I need to. There's a real kind of like um, toilet area gathering in the top left of my monitor at the moment. Just a furious storm of screen grabs and other nonsense recordings. <laughs> um, and the reckoning is coming. Um, mm. At home, my desktop is incredibly clean. Oh, yeah, my t- I don't even use my desktop. I just go onto, into Steam or God Galaxy. Or I mean, I guess that helps, yeah, just having all your games not have to be easily accessible on a window. They're just in mm. a program. Mine is just lots of pictures of insects, to be honest. Mm. Any <laughs> just... Kardashians as well? Um, not recently, although... I think there's a few gifts of Kim crying that I was sending to people <laughs> uh, last week for various uh, I'm leaving RPS uh, email threads. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's certainly a good reason to have them. <laughs> She um, is on my desktop um, here, actually, but that's only because Andy insisted that I have an avatar for um, <laughs> for Slack, and I was like, right, well, fine, you regret that. <laughs> Hi, Andy. <laughs> I know that with the whole um, leaving your last job thing, a big part of it was figuring out the right gifts in which to communicate that to, you know, friends. Know. It's essential to get the tone right. And I also so. to, to other friends as well. You know, you, it's not just a one-size-fits-all category. <laughs> you have to sort of really judge the, the relationship that you've had up until that point what you want going forwards like i mean well that seems like a good note to end it on um uh, yeah i would say so i mean it's a very subdued last question isn't it it's like not like there's no loads of furious opinions of well i do, i like to keep my desk tidy and mine's very busy and oh, um we didn't really say it like that at all did we i'm just very tired we did the podcast quite late today and that was that was a terrible error but i i think the process has otherwise gone quite well I've kind of forgotten how to do right, it. Yeah, that's, this is quite meta problem. at this point. I oh, think. no, it always gets this way. Okay. It's, 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 um, just, <laughs> just knowing Sam gets this way a lot it's of just, the times. That's, that's what, true, actually. This yes. is how I process the sequence of events, really. Is this, is this how, you know, when this you is... mentioned Windows After Dark, this is Sam towards end of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you switched over into... Oh. Yes, there's a 10-minute epilogue where I'm just uh, riffing on the last 50 minutes, basically, and uh, that is largely what I'm doing right now. Um, but thank you very much for listening. Um, I promise we'll be back again in a week um i don't know what at what point in the week but sometime or which configuration of people even we, we've got multiple people now we can yes yes and the other reason uh, there hasn't been a podcast in a long time is i recorded one that um didn't we didn't have all the audio for and that got binned which is a shame because i had joe donnelly on it um, tom who... senior and joe donnelly it was a, a rare collection of people for podcasting it was and we talked about sonic mania and uh you know you'll never know our opinions on that now it's quite good if you like sonic there you go um but uh yes we'll be back again next week um, if you want to communicate with us you can uh, tweet us at pc gamer pod which is our listening post on Twitter where we can pick up your questions. Um, you can also drop, drop into our Discord. Uh, you need to be a member of the PC Gamer Club uh, to use it, but we have plenty of people in there from before who use it and regularly communicate with us anyway. We always appreciate your questions. And uh, there's also an email, isn't there, Phil? There is. Yeah, do we still use that? We can, yes. 
but if you want to know what it is, I'm going to struggle today. Is it like, um, isn't it pcgameratfuturenet.com? Might be. I think that's it, isn't it? Or letters yeah. at pcgame.com. Letters How at pcgame.com. Check. Use the subject line podcast. <laughs> I've definitely changed it, and it was that now, yeah. I was just going to say, people could just check the, the the data on the... I mean, yeah, I will put it in the description, but whoever <laughs> looks at that, honestly, it's well, very somebody's true. Somebody's boosted up their computer and wanted to send an email. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that is useful. We, uh, we welcome your uh, correspondence from all sides. And, um, yeah, we've got some big games coming up, so uh, I'll try and get Tom Senior on to talk about Total Warhammer 2. And, uh, yeah, there's other things coming up. Like We definitely should uh, dive deep into Divinity itself. Yeah, I want to as soon as play that. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm currently playing through the Guild Wars 2 expansion, which is interesting, but I haven't played enough of it to have an opinion on yet. That's good. I'm knocking through all the XCOMs on my way to doing War of the Chosen, which I'll talk about at some point as well, nice. because that's quite an interesting expansion. Um, yes. Before we go, uh, we also have a new issue out. Um, it's Black Mesa, wink wink. It's got a huge lavender on the cover and says Half-Life on it, but it's definitely a Black Mesa cover. Yes, okay, Phil. <laughs> and what are the majority of the features about in that issue? There's one on Black Mesa and one on Half-Life 2. Don't look at the page counts of each respective feature. <laughs> the first feature is definitely about Black Mesa and the making of it, because it is a very exciting project. Um, yeah. And uh, Andy talked to the team about that. A rare interview with a seemingly elusive team, quite hard to pin down sometimes, but uh, we have chatted with them and written a big thing. And also, there are a lot of pages about Half-Life 2, because it's been 10 years since the Orange Box, which wasn't a coincidence at all. Yes. It's a very uh, nice-looking, uh, eventy feeling issue. Like, uh, you see black background, big, huge orange Half-Life logo. And, uh, yeah, like loads of great insights into um, into the first and uh, second game mm-hmm. uh, in within. Um, so, yeah, definitely go and pick that up now. That's out now in the UK, and it'll be out soon in the US. October 10th in yeah. the US. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll be back next week. 